the Bible Study Podcast, episode 475. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Proverbs with chapter 13. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. We are still in the book of Proverbs. We have quite a ways to go. We are more than one third of the way in the book. There are 31 chapters and we're in chapter 13. For some time now, we're going to be dealing with these chapters that are just a series of collections of Proverbs with no specific theme to them. There are 25 in Proverbs 13 and we'll do them one at a time. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. So when it talks about a mocker not responding to rebukes, a mocker, again, would be those people who are just making fun of things and not responding to rebukes, meaning not being able to take instruction, not being able to learn when wrong and be corrected. And again, we've talked about this before. If you can't take correction, how can you learn? From the fruit of their lips, people enjoy good things, but the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Again, interesting, we talk about lips quite a lot here in Proverbs. We're going to get another one just in a second here. The fruit of their lips, what people say. From the fruit of their lips, people enjoy good things. Say good things, get good things back might be a simple way of saying that. But the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Again, interesting tying in the the mouth here, but not talking in this case, but appetite. What it is that we long for. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. This just sounds like something that your father would tell you, that be careful what you say. But said in a very evocative way, those who guard their lips preserve their lives. In World War I or World War II, we would have said loose lips sink ships. A slugger's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I think what we're just seeing here is, if you especially think about the context of this in agrarian society, how are you going to eat if you don't go out there and do the work? And that's true for us, although it's one level removed from going out and sowing and weeding and hoeing and reaping and harvesting and all of those things that it took to get the food on the table. The righteous hate what is false, But the wicked make themselves a stench and bring shame on themselves. We are called, obviously, to be righteous in all of these verses. So whenever you hear the righteous, think that's the way I should be. And whenever you hear the wicked, think that's the way I should not be. So we should hate what is false. And whether that be false statements, false people, well, not to hate the people, but to hate the falseness of it. But the wicked bring shame on themselves. I think that's fairly obvious, although make themselves stench is an interesting way to say that. And we talk about a stench. Think about how terrible it would be if a skunk got in your house, right? That terrible, terrible smell, and that would permeate everything. And I think it's thinking that way. The wicked make themselves a stench that that starts to permeate everything in a way that is highly undesirable. Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. When we think of overthrows, think of setting up your castle and having your protections around it, but that all of those protections can be undone by your actions. Uh, We're playing through in the U.S. this week a rather odious experience with our candidates in terms of wickedness, in terms of what people do and say, and how all of those things can overthrow all of your other plans. You can plan one thing, but if word gets out that you've done something, think about the person who is the CEO of the company but gets fired because the word gets out about 
the thing he did. We should think of here, righteousness guards the person of integrity, that actually protects you to do the right thing, which it should. It makes sense. You don't ever have to worry about, well, word got out that you did the right thing, right? I mean, that's you don't have to worry about those things because you do the right thing all the time. You don't have to worry about what I said to that person or what I said to that person if you always say the truth. Because then you just have to remember what the truth was. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Interesting that pretends to be. I think that this is similar to one of the Proverbs we had last time, that who you pretend to be is not as important as who you are. Who we pretend to be can get in the way of who we are, but also it's, but it's insignificant. A person's riches may ransom their life, but the poor cannot respond to threatening rebukes. We have to remember that when we're looking at Proverbs, we're looking at this from a very Jewish Old Testament point of view, which is that God blesses those who are righteous with wealth. And so when we look at this, it is obviously saying it's better to be rich. If you have riches, you can ransom your life, but the poor cannot respond to threatening rebukes. It's simply true. But also remember that the idea here is, if you think of the book of Job, where Job has everything taken away and people say, well, if everything's taken away from you, what did you do wrong? And so the idea here is in this context, people are thinking riches imply a blessing from God. And and I don't think that's always obvious to us And when we read it with a different New Testament kind of perception. The light of the righteous shine brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. There's a number of these that are going to be this way, that it's basically God promising the the proverb writer saying it's better to be righteous and it leads to a long and happy life. And there's many different ways to say that. And this is just another one where there is strife. There is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. This is a great one. I want to pause and talk about the same thought we had up above. If you can't be taught, how can you learn? How can you become wise? If you can't be taught, if you can't take advice, but here it's also saying, whatever there is strife, there is pride. It's an interesting thing. I wonder if that's always true. It seems like there's some real good truth in there in the sense that if I can listen to you and value you and you can listen to me and value me, we're not going to have the same kind of strife. Even if we have disagreement, it's not going to be the same if we don't let our pride get in the way. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. This is definitely an encouragement for those who just do the work, earn the money, don't look for the get-rich-quick thing. I think of the people who win the lottery and lose it and go into bankruptcy, and it's amazing the number of people who win the lottery and then basically go into bankruptcy. It's, It's a surprisingly high number. And what studies have shown is that the way you are remains relatively constant even when bad or good things happen to you. There are ways of changing that, but basically if you are bad with money and you win the lottery, you don't get better with money. And if you get your money dishonestly, you are likely to lose your money probably also dishonestly, that we don't change when circumstances change around us necessarily. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I'm not sure that this tells me to do anything different, but it's certainly true that when you are waiting and waiting and waiting, that it is difficult. 
and that when hope is finally fulfilled, when longing is fulfilled, it brings new life. It brings, it's a wonderful thing. Whether you're hoping to get that positive scan from the cancer that you've been fighting, whether you're hoping to hear from a loved one, whether you're hoping she'll say yes, whatever it is you're hoping for, when that is fulfilled, that is one of the most wonderful moments in life. Whoever scorns instruction will pay for it, but whoever respects a command is rewarded. The third time we're hearing this in these 25 verses, listen when you get instruction because you will be rewarded for learning. Turning a person from the snares of death, and that's why we listen to instruction, is there is value in that. You can either learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from somebody who's wise, who can make, who can help you avoid them. I think that's a better route. Good judgment wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful leads to their destruction. Again, we're talking about paths. We're talking about ways. We're talking about where we're headed. And to be unfaithful heads us in the wrong direction. All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. When you're prudent, you're weighing things with wisdom and knowledge. And so you're not running into things without thinking about your actions. You're not reacting to things, too. And when we talk about foolish here in this context, we're talking about foolish because you don't, you're not prudent. You're not weighing your actions. You're reacting. You're jumping in. And that's going to lead to trouble. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a trustworthy envoy brings healing. It is useful to have, if you're a king, a trustworthy envoy. If you're not a king, a trustworthy friend and someone who can bring you a message from somebody else, somebody who can bring you a message that can bring healing and trustworthy, someone you can tell the things you wouldn't want to tell somebody who you couldn't trust, right? That kind of person who can share that kind of thing is incredibly valuable. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. Whoever heeds correction is honored. Okay, I count four times now we've got that theme. Listen to discipline. It is for your benefit. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. Longing fulfilled, we talked about that before. Fools detest turning from evil. It's difficult when you get in a habit of doing the wrong thing to change. And it's foolish. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. There's a lot of different Proverbs like this, both in the Bible and without, that we are the sum of the people we hang out with. That if we hang out with the people who are wise, then you will become wiser. I think of this, again, trying not to get into politics. I, I so want to this year, but I am really made a promise with this particular podcast to focus on the Bible less so than party politics. But I think of there was a statement that was made this week as degrading comments towards women. And someone who I don't even know said, well, 99% of guys say that. And my first thought was, you are hanging out with the wrong people. The people that I hang out with don't talk that way, even in the locker room, even in private. But we can become the people that we hang out with, and we can think, and I think we almost always think, that the people we hang out with are normal. And that's the way things work. And if we hang out with wise people, this is saying we will become wise. If we're hanging out with people who are behaving in one way, we will become like them. So think carefully about who you associate with. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. 
Again, this theme, the Bible doesn't call it karma, but it's certainly not opposed to that if you do good things, good things happen to you. It doesn't mean that always happens in life, but that's certainly what the proverb is talking about. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I think about this in the Old Testament, right around the time of the law, there is the Satan from God that basically if you are faithful, then there will be blessings on you and your children's children and all that. And if that you are unfaithful, there will be a curse upon you for multiple generations. And we read that as a very legalistic thing. But I remember reading an author whose name escapes me right now who talked about that as being just true. You know, think about families where child abuse happens. That that is something that happens to you because it happened to you from your father or from your mother. And that we tend to give to our children in the ways that we were given from our parents, whether they be good or bad. So a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Don't necessarily think wealth. I think of my grandfather and grandmother who had very little, who lost the farm, who didn't have a lot of education, and yet the wonderful inheritance they gave to my father and to his siblings, a wonderful example of how to live a life, a good life, and yet not riches in that sense. An unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. The Old Testament law required that when you had a field and you harvested it, you went through it once, and then you left the rest for the poor. There was a provision there for the care for the poor in the Old Testament law, because God does care about the poor and God does care about justice. And so when it talks about injustice, sweeps it away. The injustice takes away what God intends, the good that God intends. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. This is one that I've always had trouble with. I did practice corporal punishment on my kids, but only when I needed to. And for me, that meant when they were in diapers and little and they were too young to reason with. But on the other hand, I really do believe in discipline. I believe that you can't raise children who have the right characteristics or the characteristics you're looking for without discipline, without correction them. I think about how many times we've talked about correction and us listening to correction in these verses. You have to say no to your kids. You have to set boundaries. And to not do so, you might as well hate them. It basically is not for their benefit. The righteous eat to their heart's content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. This is not a verse about gluttony. This is not a verse about eating per se. It's a verse about, remember, again, agrarian society, you're growing things, you're you're planting things and such. You're doing all the right things. You're not lazy, and you eat to your heart's content. You will have the food you need. The stomach of the wicked goes hungry for all the reasons above here, that you've got the folly, you've got the things that your people are trying to get back at you for the bad things you did with them, all of those things that basically get in the way of all the things that need to do to put food on the table. Again, Proverbs talking about a path. Don't be wicked, don't be foolish, instead be righteous and be wise. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, or Instagram as Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening.
The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.